Okay, Andrew, you wanted to talk about trends. <laughs> I did not. You wanted to talk about <laughs> trends. <laughs> Stop fucking with me. <laughs> you um, mean like peak states or or um, or uh, peak experiences? Um, there's an interesting difference between peak states and peak experiences. Okay, go ahead. Well, peak a peak experience is like you have this ecstatic experience or hellish experience or you know, life-changing experience that sort of shifts your orientation or maybe nothing happens, but you have this glorious experience. But, but, uh, but there's a couple, there was a couple of, you know, kind of unknown therapists that I was reading and that my wife was involved, wrote a book about called Peak States, which means mm -hmm. how to get into that sort of state permanently. Um, uh, so there are certain states that you can get into permanently, and then there's other states where you that are that come and go. Like, what's a peak state? Well, I guess a peak state would be, let's say, um, like you you're you feel an incredible amount of joy all the time, and you're in a peak state. But it's not like the kind of joy that comes and goes. It's like a subtle uh, that you feel even when you feel pain, but it stays. It's it's it doesn't go away. It's like even whereas that whereas a whereas a a peak state is like why is that, a, that why is that a peak state? a satori state that because it stays because it's a state because it remains but why it's is something it that you're in all the time or for a long periods of time it's not something that that comes and goes it's not like a uh like a like a, like a an acid trip it's something no, that I, stays I get with what you you're saying but why is it peak because it's 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 an unusual or extraordinary um uh, state. It's not an ordinary state. Like just like, you know, a peak state for a basketball player, like, you know, who can do all these, you know, incredible things. There's some way his brain is 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 wired that is not the same. Well the interesting thing that was this book, it was analyzing all kinds of different peak states. Like we all like we talk about enlightenment in this bland kind of way, but different kinds of sort of states and how you get in them and right. um um you know by sort of like like a child is kind of in a peak state, right? He's kind of, if you look at a child, he's, he's kind of like always on in some kind of, or, or off, but he's not in this in-between uh, mode, right? So how would you differentiate between peak states and higher stages of consciousness? Higher stages of, well, maybe there is no differentiation, but, but, but uh, maybe that's what they are. I'm not sure. Like, uh, um, I mean, usually higher stages of consciousness is 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 usually often used to describe uh, more like a worldview or something, isn't it? Like, you, no, not you, necessarily. You go from mythic to rational to to post-rational or something like the, in the Wilberian sense. No, in the Wilberian sense is that the higher stages are also like infused with Satori and the sublime joy states and all mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. so, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're a little bit more complex, I think. You, you're right. So they are also like, uh, uh, you know, encompassing, you know, worldviews and more complex vision, logic thinking and all of these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, but what I was, I was thinking about were peak experience, the sense, you know, you know, you know where the Spanish uh, word ole comes from, right? No. 
So, you know, when this, you know, when the matadors were like fighting with the, with the bulls and then they were like, Ole, when, you know, when, All right. when what's made, made like a good, good movement. And so apparently it comes from, you know, the, the dervishes, you know, the, 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 the spinning kind of, um, mm -hmm. religious figures and shamans that, you know, from the from the uh, Islam world. And so when yeah. they were like kind of spinning around and spinning around and getting into this specific state um, or experience, then other people would point at him and say, oh, that's Allah, Allah. And historically speaking, out of Allah, you know, pointing to this peak experience, developed this ole, apparently. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I I'm used to go to Grateful Dead concerts in the 90s, and there was a whole section of the concert and there's all these hippies, like maybe hundreds of them, and they would spend the whole concert spinning. They would just spin yeah. the whole. They would yeah. spin around the whole time and get into the states of ecstasy. Yeah, and yeah. so I was thinking about if I mean, like we because we're like so. So it's a very old concept, but now we're like so um, embedded in in individualistic thinking that I think that if we're talking about these peak experiences, we tend to think that it's only something that is about us. Yeah, that's true. Right? But if 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 it's a trance state, you know, like a peak state where where you get you know beyond ego and and get into a peak experiences, I think what normally should happen is that you get information that is important for the tribe. And not not necessarily for you. Why can it be? Why can it be both? Why is be, it an either or thing? Because I'm not saying it's either or. I think I think you're if you're leaving the ego behind because you're in a peak experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know why would the information be for you then and not for you as being part of the tribe? I think there's an inherent quality of the trance or like of of the of the seer. You know when when he is in vision. Or the, the the shaman that it's not that it's not particularly for him. There's you know you know I, I think it should entail information that is important for the tribe, and I think a trance mm -hmm. should only be um, evaluated in context of it if it has uh, information for the tribe. You know, it's like because like you know if you have like the Ibiza hippies and it's like oh you know it was like a peak experience and it was like and 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 I and I saw the goddess and whatnot. If, if it's not for you to to use for anybody, then it's a useless it's a useless trance because in most of the cases it won't even help yourself, right? But if you're in a state and you are you are you you got rid of this idea of the individual and individualism, mm -hmm. you get into this trance. Then maybe you find some new information that maybe may transform you as it transforms the tribe, and I think that should be the, the uh, you know the uh, cr criteria by which you judge a trance. Why do you need to judge it, and why does it need to be of use? Because I am German. Exactly. <laughs> we have to judge it. Yes. What's the use in this? It needs to have a use. No, but because no, but I mean it's it's a joke and 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 uh, but I also think why do anything? I think that's a silly question to to ask why we judge it because we're judging everything. No, we judge well, what I mean is like there you could you could have an experience and it and it might not be something that you can evaluate. You need to evaluate or or 
about having some sort of, uh, you know, utilitarian value. It could just be an experience and it's great, you know, like an orgasm, you know, is that for the tribe? Yeah, but what you're asking is to ask why, why to, uh, uh, you know, uh, evaluate what an orgasm is in itself. I mean, yeah, if you have it, it's great and you shouldn't maybe ask what it is. But as, you know, as to two guys having a podcast and trying to make a thematic proposition for the next hour, it could be interesting to evaluate what trends is. Okay, go ahead. I just did. I just did. Mm, um, sure. I think uh, like I somebody has to ask what a trans is and what purpose it should. What purpose it, sh it should have? Well, well, okay, but I, but you know, I, I guess I'm just pushing back against the idea of trying to evaluate everything in terms of having a purpose, like or for the tribe or for yourself, or you know, there's a sort of non-duality. If it's for yourself, it affects everything, and you know, so so there's no nothing wrong with, for example, you know. Uh, a shaman getting some information for himself, but he also might get information for the for for the tribe. Why? But I guess the fundamental thing is, I guess the fundamental question is like, okay, are you just going to erase individuality completely? A lot of people are talking that way now. Or do we? Are, are we going to keep individuality and the tribe? You know, have both. I know a lot, a lot of people are are talking about oh so like the individual doesn't matter anymore. It's a big meme right now to say, for example, that the 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 next Buddha is the Sangha. Everybody says that since Tikkunana. The next Buddha is the Sangha, so they yeah. don't like Buddhas anymore because they all want to be Buddha, and they they don't like the exactly. Dharma either. They just want to make it up for themselves. So the Buddha is you know. So it's like this. They want to make everything egalitarian, and so that's for everybody. But there are some things that some people can't understand, and 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 there's there is a hierarchy of value and understanding. So I'm trying to like. So I'm reacting against that sort of mentality, which I hear over and over again. Again, but the, then you're saying the same thing that I do. That I do, because. Mm -hmm. Because like there's nothing more preposterous than a guy proclaiming on Facebook he is a shaman or he is a guru. Oh, and that, then, yeah. And then, you know, uh, uh, describing his trance that apparently is important, but basically is not important because it doesn't serve any purpose. Oh, right. Sure. And so if, if uh, so, and there's there's a hierarchy of shamanoids or sh shamanic people. So there, there are people that are more in tuned with you know with whatever it is then then yes others. and i think the moment when you proclaim that you are shaman or a guru you're you're out right it's like you, you yeah exactly go. i mean the people who are actual shamans or gurus would never say that or or declare that or advertise that or publicize that or or put it on their facebook account in order to, to attract followers they would probably do the opposite, you know. They they would probably try as draw as little attention to their activity as possible because as soon as you try to sell it on the market, you're cheapening it and degrading it and and fucking it up, you know. So right. so yes, I I totally agree. These guys that go around, you know, and you get a lot of people like this. I had this enlightened experience here. We talked about that the other day. I talked yeah. about that with Jamie Jamie Wheel. It's like here I am. I had this enlightening experience, and let me tell you about it. And they're they're self declared gurus. I don't think Nobody gives real, a I think all real real teachers or real masters are, are ever self-declared. I think it's it's as you say, I agree with you. It's the community that declares them that because of their actions, right? 
because of who they are. And so the, 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 the community decides if they're worth a worthy shaman or leader, but you know, you know, and, 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 and they are revealed to be so through, through, through their you know, integrity. I want to push back a little bit on that because like, yeah. you know, you, you have like lots of false prophets where the community kind of decided, yeah, well, he's a, he's a guru. I think there's like a deeper architecture at play where, you know, the archetypes just emerge like as they did in the past. And there are like people in the tribe and then there are people outside the tribe and that they are there because they're driven by a specific archetype. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, Uh, the original shaman was something who, you know, was outside the tribe and were kind of getting visions for the tribe. That's the or, or, that's the original meme, let's say, or the original idea. Well, he would go outside the tribe, but he would be yeah, respected but, yeah. within the tribe. Like he'd go yeah. out and he'd he'd be the only guy who could meet the other tribes. Alexander writes about that a lot. You know, you could you'd go between the tribes. You could be the diplomat. Right. You know, right. Or he could go off into the wilderness for a long time and, and have visions and then bring bring whatever But he doesn't seek knowledge he, from the No, he doesn't seek approve, approval, definitely not. So I mean the people I've known I know people who I consider to be pretty advanced. And one of the things I've noticed they do is they do everything as they can to um push people away from them. Because the people who are really serious will will continue to to ask you know you know something from them but the yeah. people who are not serious are just going to think this guy's an asshole and they actually even behave like like assholes and say unpopular things and and behave in weird ways yeah. to push people away from them so they don't uh, you know, so they don't attract sycophantic um you know yeah. uh, uh, de devotees they 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 do the opposite um yeah. uh, usually uh, and those are the good teachers You know, it's like it's 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 like jumping the shark, and I think that's that's you know one of the things that you, you you can view like everywhere. It's like when people start to believe in the in their idea, and when their idea and their belief in their idea gets heavily connected to their personality and their social standing. It's like yeah. it's like the one one of the most popular. Uh, I mean, that's what happened with Wilbur. So, you know, so on, on the, on the, on the, you know, like in the 90s, I, I, I still love him and it's, it's great what he writes about, but he, he couldn't do the, the step that Ludwig Wittgenstein said. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Ludwig Wittgenstein and his. No, what's that? So, so he was like, came, came from a very rich family. Well, he couldn't go off into the Norwegian wilderness by himself and, no, well, and, so, and say fuck you to Oxford and <laughs> Cambridge. Yeah, Oxford and, or Cambridge or where, wherever yeah. he was. And so he wrote, you know, this book, uh, uh, which is one of the most influential books of the philosophy of the 20, 20, 21st century. You know, the Logicuk Tractatus Philosophicus. It's like it's immensely popular and influential book. And what he did with that fame and with the money was he gave all his money away. He left his station in Oxford and he went to some tiny village in the mountains of Austria to become like a teacher for basically mentally retarded kids. Yeah. Um, and so, but, and was never heard of again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's uh, a, that's a, that's a move, man. That's yeah, something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I guess maybe, I mean, who knows about Wilbur? I, I don't want to judge Wilbur particularly, but he had a huge, huge audience. And, uh, um, and then I guess once, if you have a huge audience, you have to continue to play for that audience. Yeah, but and do if you? you don't, uh, then, then I guess what happened to him is he got sick because he couldn't play for the audience anymore. That's why he got right. sick in a way. That's like his way of doing that was to get very, very sick for 15 years, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, well, that's true. That would be the meta. Because he dropped out. He did leave the, the scene. He didn't stick around where while, while the gurus were being crucified and, and his, his, uh, his uh, followers were going crazy. And he kind of just... You could say that he, he, in a way, to, to, to his credit, <laughs> he, he found a way out of that game. I get it, but you know, I, I don't know how it is about with you, but but uh, for me, it's like when I'm when I'm engaging in in some discourse, I always have this itch in me to to ask, do you really believe your theory? What I just said. No, 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 not you. The theory that I just said. Does no, no, Wilbur no, no. really believe his theory? No, does anybody who has who has put for forward a theory? Does you re, do you really believe in that? And to what extent do you believe in that? Because the extent uh, signifies your level of attachment to that. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. some people become their theory. They become a, a spokesman for a persona. And they believe so much in that persona, but there's nothing behind the persona. It's just a persona. It's just a marketing persona. And so people like that, I just, I can, I just, I can, I just step back from it. I just avoid, I just know that they're, I don't want to buy whatever this person is selling. Yeah. You but know. it's, 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 but a, they, it's they can be very successful and make millions and, you know, doing their stick. And it's, it's a super, it's a double edged sword because it's like on, on one side, on one hand, you want to, especially as if you do podcast interviews and stuff like that and you do promoting work and marketing work and all of this and then 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 you then you engage with a really good theory you know let, let's let's stay with wilbur because i still like his theory very much and so you 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 want to engage with that and what you also want to do is yet you want to you want to bring it into society because like because i sincerely think that everybody who has an integral understanding uh you know can find ways to better their lives but on the other side it's like okay that's just a th it's literally just a, a theory a way of reducing complexity of life and the moment you get too attached to it uh you're 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 you have fallen into the abyss of of self-identification and so you always have to juggle these two kind of perspectives and i always struggle with this because i don't know should i should i reinforce the theory you know or should i should I uh, uh, try to deconstruct it? Like as, a, as an interviewer, let's say. Well, you can do both all the time. And that is the intelligent, right. that is intelligence at work, right? Intelligence is, is, is taking whatever models people are proposing and saying, well, this, this kind of works for me and this doesn't. And, uh, and, then, and, then, and then you dialogue about it and then there's a subtle adjustment, you know, because whatever Wilbur created in the 80s and 90s or, you know, or 90s and, 2000s that that already that feels somewhat dated at this point even though many of the concepts are in the culture so people are taking his ideas and and kind of finessing them and redoing them and, re, and that that's how it should be i think right rather right. than 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 just saying okay here's an absolute model of reality you need to adopt this you know but right. that doesn't work 
And I, Wilbur knows that, you know, he even said, I even remember him saying somewhere that whatever we're saying right now is going to look a little bit ridiculous in, in 50 years or a hundred years or. Yeah. So, um, so even, the, but, but, but it doesn't mean he's not advancing the, you know, the story in, in whatever way that, that he, he did. But Wilbur is a strange animal, you know, because I, I, I would bet my money on that he knows about the contingency of his own models, you know, so that, that they could be different and that mm. they're just an approximation. And I would bet my money that oh, yeah. he technically knows that, but he doesn't behave like this. And that's, again, it's like a cognitive dissonance because you can't have a proper conversation without him, with him just rattling off. Well, how know, could that, he? I mean, how, how could he behave differently when he's presenting his model? You mean how, he could be more uh, more contingent about it or more... I don't know. I, I'm not Wilbur, but I, I know that on the other end of the spectrum is Ludwig Wittgenstein and other people who who, uh, mm -hmm. who are way more hardcore in, in terms of, okay, I did this, I put it in the world, and now I leave it and I go. You know? Uh -huh, I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Rather, so, so you're kind of suggesting maybe he's too attached to his theory uh, or he's, he's, too, he's too bound up in his own creation. In his communication style, it seems to me like this. I don't know it. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I would, I would bet my money that if you would have an intimate one-on-one -on -one with him, like in his room without any recording, he would completely say, yeah, sure, it's just, it's just an approximation. You know, it's like, uh, and I'm stuck with it and I don't want, I don't know all of these things I would presume that he would say, but in as his public persona, and I'm just taking, I could, use anybody in the liminal web who's proposing anything myself included by the way so it's like it's always the same thing it's like you are thrown into this thing that you want to propose something and you only can do that via attachment and so it's, it's always a trade-off that you have mm -hmm. and 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 i find that very difficult to to navigate because like you know because at the same time that i want to you know market these ideas I have to be like, uh, like at the same time, I have to communicate that it's, that it's just, an, you know, that that's not true. Well, I was thinking about, you know, and I wrote in my latest piece about the, the, the tower and the yeah. tarot and the tower is all of our constructions, right? Right. What we construct, right? And then there's the image of the tower is that the construction, the top is coming out of the construction and, and, and people are falling and, um, uh, uh, it, it, the idea is that whatever we construct is is as fallible and comes crash crashing down yet on the other hand there are some things that endure and some things that don't you know like uh um they they never rebuilt the the two towers you know in in manhattan because they were just two towers you know they, they didn't have anything architecturally yeah endure enduring and they, they weren't rebuilt they built something else right whereas notre dame when notre dame burned down they're trying to build it exactly how it was because it's it's a permanent archetypal iconic place and that that kind of thing they'll just keep building it exactly how it was with very right. slight variations because that is an enduring archetype whereas two two things you know two boxes in the air is not so, so there are there is there are some things that end up being kind of permanent, not full, not completely permanent, but permanent in the sense that they 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 endure and they replenish themselves and they endure for long long periods of time. You know, like like um, 
you know, like the Bible, for instance, or, or you know, last longer than all of Rome and or and Egypt and or something like that. This just keeps keeps coming and coming back and coming back. So I guess Wilbur sort of believes he's he's creating a Bible of some kind, um, and he believes his his ideas will it will kind of endure, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's 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 sort of like it's up to history to decide, not him. It's funny that you say that because um, my niece, she is uh, becoming 11 now in August, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in the village where she lives here in Mallorca, she was approached by two women uh, from the witness, Jehovah's Witnesses um, mm -hmm. and and talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, but but the, that kid is a very smart and... Uh, you know very fast thinking kid and and then she was asking me about the bible she can because i have one obviously uh, if i can lend it to her and now she's texting me on whatsapp about where she is and she's absolutely you know and engaged with with the genesis and all of this you know wow. and, and i was and i was thinking i mean like that's 11 years old hmm. that's so weird that that this book still can create that kind of uh, attraction because of the archetypes in there. That's something that's deeply, deeply connecting because it was like just a, that's an initial talk between her and, and the two women. Uh, so I, I don't really believe that there had been some brainwashing going on or something of this sort. I think there is an attraction in, in, in the Notre Dame and in the Bible that is kind of eternal. Yeah, there's an eternal. Well, even you know, in my in my village, there's a church that's been there since the seventh century. It's beautiful, but it's just a pile of stones. Yeah. What is it that makes it beautiful and, and enduring? Whereas everything else, you know, it's it's just kind of like my house and other houses around. They're built in the forties and fifties, and and uh, they won't be here. They'll just fall apart, and you know, you, you can tell. You can tell. You just look at them, right? Um, yeah. Then you go through Paris and you can see like these ugly things they tried to build in the 70s, like the bibliotheque. And you can see that these ones, you know, are going to be these are they're just going to crumble at some point, <laughs> you know, and then but there will still there'll still be a pantheon. There'll still be a you know, there'll still be a there'll still be these various places which, you know, which endure. So. So, yes, that, that's the that's the eternal like the sort of dance between the eternal and the um and and most of most things which are not eternal i mean you're writing you're writing now you know uh, uh, in substack you know do you want to do all like tarot cards because i'm just like, going through the major arcana and the, no, that's, i'm going that's through the, the 22 and I've, i'm up to i'm up to the tower right now so and so mm -hmm. and so what i what i noticed is like there is there is a Maybe that's what it is, why some things endure while others don't. Because like if, if we talk about visions and if we talk about trances where we see things, you know, like, you know, going back to the original topic, you have a, you have a vision of a specific thing made be like, like in architecture or in philosophy or whatever. And it has a certain flavor to it, has a, a certain mimetic to it. And I think like what the tarot does is to present uh, uh, an all-around you know, compendium of archetypes. And yeah. so I think what Wilbur did and why Wilbur is so important is that he um, accessed 
uh, a kind of mimetic archetype in terms of well um let's let's create a whole like a whole world vision yeah yeah. Right, and so he was yeah. not like Sloterdijk or or other philosophers who deal with more like you know, different things. He his archetype is like okay, let's let's make the broadest, most encompassing pictures, and th that always appears in history. And he was the one that did this in the nineties. And I think, you know, talking about what's becoming important and why some you know architectural structures are more important than others is like because they're a direct representation of a certain archetype or meme or, or you know a certain existential structure that are the building blocks of our existence you, you get what i'm saying yeah sure sure um and and he is he's drawing on other sources which are sort of eternal right like zen and um and uh in hinduism and and some christianity and so he's drawing on this the eternal sources as well so so to create his 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 sort of compendium right so uh so yeah like well i mean there's the tower there's the original tower that 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 you know we don't know where it we don't even know who the author is or where it came from and it's a bunch of images um and those images have are the source of all card games that have ever happened they come from that <laughs> all car all, all all of las vegas everything that comes from the tarot people don't know that but you know there wouldn't be this or this little deck of cards which is like the uh, secular version of the sacred images um if it wasn't for for those those like basic images which were created by who knows who and when nobody knows you know so so uh so I mean, there's there something is, about is, these there's something about these cards that you go back and you're like you know why is like you know there why is the why is the 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 empress sitting on an egg and what the fuck is that <laughs> you, know, you know anyway but isn't the isn't the burning of the notre dame yeah of the church isn't that the tower falling exactly it is that's what i wrote in the thing and so is the so is the uh the september 11th except the september 11th tower is is a, is a that's that's a tower based on um it's not a spiritual tower so it doesn't last whereas notre dame is a spiritual tower so it it's a well i i think the america uh, the americans would disagree that uh, there, there was no graver incident for their spiritual life and for the self-identification than the falling of the two towers yeah but i mean i mean those towers are monuments to capitalism yes capitalism but it's still a church. that is i guess that is a sacred to uh, to americans for sure yeah. but 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 in terms of architecture it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have the sacred architecture behind it it just they're just two boxes going as it's just vertical things built on top of other vertical oh, things just, like, that's just that's just the outer style but if, if when you when you say that everything mm -hmm. is religion you know you, you oh, just, i don't say that that's that's alexander no, but statement. Have, I, no. I think that's not right i think i'm sorry alexander no. but i i think that's i think there's there's genuine religion and then there's pseudo religion and and capitalism can become a sort of pseudo religion but i don't think yes. it's a, a religion proper Yes, but you said in the terms of you know Stephen Pinker was on Twitter you know saying something in regards of uh, of 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 Peterson you know and uh, was about values and how how to derive them and you were like kind of chiming in and saying well humanism is a form of religion. 
So, so yeah, I should I should so, I should qualify that by saying a pseudo religious becomes a pseudo religious ideology becomes a big huge belief system which people. That's what the I mean. Is, so the difference is the difference is like so you the, have the twin towers which are the you know which mm-hmm. are the sacred object, or were the sacred object of of neoliberalism and capitalism in America that was yeah. the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I, absolutely, yeah, agreed. But I, but I say that the, the structure it doesn't have the enduring quality as 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 twelfth century cathedral does. Because well, I don't understand that argument. How? Why? Because it's of how beauty, the... <laughs> for one thing. No, in your mind. Well, it's not just a relative thing. I don't think. I think it's... if you if you were a banker in the eighties and were go you know uh, uh, making uh, five hundred thousand dollar a day in the World Trade Center, you would say, oh well, that's a thing of beauty, and I and and uh, Notre Dame can fuck themselves, you know? Oh, you would, but then you would be you would be you would be not a very sensitive person no, but it's relative to whom well beauty. you could just say anything is beauty then you then nothing is beauty so no, but we're talking about the moment it's like saying everything is religion then nothing is religion so everything I, is mm-hmm. i mean i'm not saying that you were part of the church going uh, uh audience going to the world trade center but i think it had its power and it has and yeah that's true because, okay. mm-hmm. because for a lot of people it had this function yeah but people will i mean i guess notre dame cathedral is the biggest visited monument in the world like people go there from all over the world they go to paris they go to this one spot they go to this one cathedral and it's been around since earlier than the 20th century probably i mean than the 12th century because because other temples were built on it it's in a powerful location etc etc it's like it's like a thousand thousands of years of of uh, of uh, devotion and religion and and this is anyway are people going to go and visit the the world trade center in a thousand years and maybe they will i don't know maybe could be but I, but i but i also think that i also think that it, the value it's also a different value the reason the world trade center is is a monument is because it was destroyed by these planes and terrorism so it was, it's an image of horror right it's a total whereas uh, notre dame cathedral is an image of you know human creativity and expression I, I get and worship saying, and but... religion and 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 uh, and, uh, uh, and and all that so there's a very different uh, 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 meaning to to both those places but my argument would be that the uh, uh, that the World Trade Center got their final justification through their destruction because that's what with the with the tower happens because everybody knew because the thing fell it is a holy object it becomes a sacred object because it's destroyed whereas right. Notre Dame exactly. is a sacred object because it was created and destroyed. Not, no, it didn't become a sacred object. It was already a sacred object. Yeah, but it didn't it was become a sacred object because of... it was destroyed. It was but a sacred was object because it was beautiful. People didn't go there because it was destroyed and, and it, it had it had people didn't go there. So, but, what? I don't think so, because it was built on other churches before that. There's always, you know, this circle of death and rebirth, and it's like, yeah. and they used so, to burn so, witches in why, front of why, it and stuff like that. Because the so. question is like, why did it become famous in the first place? Because it was a holy place before, and then on top of that, 
like with all big cathedrals, were was built another bigger cathedral. Mm -hmm. And that's why it become beautiful because it got because there's a perpetually, you know, reestablishment of the archetype. It's it's you know. That's well, perhaps that will happen in, at the World Trade Center in a thousand years. They'll build some extraordinary monument there, and then people will come and, uh huh. Yeah. But it doesn't. But it again, there is a difference between the sacred and the secular. I mean, it's a secular place, even though it's a, you know it is it is it's not a place that people you know it is a kind of temple, the World Trade Center now. But but it wasn't when it was running, and you know, it's more like a no. monument to like I don't know human excess and greed rather than worship and anyway you know, maybe i'm maybe i'm no no it's just it's interesting for me because it's like i perfectly can imagine in the next 500 or thousand years you know how our world is kind of developing that there there that, that the french will decide to build a, a completely technological superstructure around sacre coeur and no. and the and 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 what's it called um um notre dame not only to protect not only to protect it, you know, oh, but to protect to, it, but they'll uh, still but keep it though. The, they won't destroy to it. Heighten it, you know. So you have like you have like uh, Notre Dame in the center, and outside is a new superstructure that kind of elevates it, which would be the the secular kind of. I'm not saying that it will happen, but it's perfectly. I can perfectly imagine it because that mm. would be the secular superstructure on top of the more traditional pre-modern kind of structure that Notre Dame yeah. kind of signifies. Yeah, and that is, it would still be a holy place. That's maybe, the whole... but maybe it's finished. You know, it's no longer like because maybe there's a you know it's been built. It took how how many years to build? I don't know, but I know the, the big cathedral in Prague took like a thousand years to build. To yeah. carve in all the little gargoyles and <laughs> and you know on the yeah. steeple, but 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 I think there was a point where people stopped building Notre Dame and it was done. That had become a masterpiece and it was done, you know. And I don't think you can build anything else on top of it. So I, I kind of disagree with that. So what about the um, Sagrada Familia as a, another counterexample for? What's know? that? The Sagrada Familia, that that uh, immense immense kind of uh, cathedral they they build in, in Barcelona and so that, it's it, oh that one start, that, yeah but it, you can tell again that you can tell build, that that one is kind of not the same thing is it though they started building that 1882 and mm -hmm. it will be finished by uh yeah maybe in the next 20 years and so that's a huge endeavor like Barcelona when you look at the pictures Barcelona was not Barcelona you know, so the Sagrada Familia w was way outside the core center of Barcelona. And now, is that, isn't that Gaudi's thing? The guy, yeah, yeah. that's what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. And so now it's in the center because Barcelona got so big, but it's it's built on, on the hill. So yeah. it was it was a holy place to begin with. Yeah. And and so they started to build it, and it's it's you can't it's it's a it's a kind of modernist even postmodern kind of thing where you go and you have like these naturalistic elements, and it's a, it's an immense it's an immense building. But is it beautiful, or is it kind of a monstrosity? It's I have a feeling it's a bit of a monstrosity, and then it might it be is, viewed that. But it's it, also it, beautiful. Mm, yeah. Is it beautiful? That's because it's yes, it is. It's not beautiful in the like, sense that Notre it's... Dame is quite clearly like okay, the way the way it's like there between the two rivers and 
on the island and kind of rises up into the you know there's there's it's just it's just like you go like this but not you're not going to do that with the that one that's <laughs> not true andrew have you been there no i haven't actually so i can't say but that's just my my feeling no you're because you're you're ingrained and in i bet you'll be kind of you're kind of you feels kind of probably feels kind of ugh, gross at the same time that that cathedral doesn't it isn't it no, isn't there something no, 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 no. sort of like grotesque about it no like, Gaudi. if you go to uh park well or to, to go to the gaudi houses it's immensely beautiful immensely and then you go then you stand before the sagrada okay, familia sure okay but how does it make you how does it make you feel what's the difference is there a difference i don't know yeah. maybe i'm just i'm just i'm just more uh attached to the old way and maybe i haven't which is fine know. you know I but know. I, I think that the, the discussion is interesting because it's like it's clearly that the sagrada familia itself is not a, a pre-modern traditional uh a building and so in, in that sense lacks all the history that notre dame or the kölner dome in germany has right yeah but it has something else it is it is something modern even postmodern, but it is an invocation of of the holy uh from our perspective and it's 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 some it's just something else okay well i know i didn't say i didn't think it would be possible to construct something something like that uh -huh. um yeah because you, you know that you, you know that the i think peterson talked a lot about this that the cathedrals you know even the old cathedrals were like built in the image of you know um you know uh, particular places in the forest and you have like the the glasses that are like kind of tainted with colors and it mm -hmm. is like as if it is it's as if uh, light were coming through the uh, top of the trees you know and the good cathedrals have this kind of yeah they kind of emulate a kind of naturalistic feeling and what the sagrada familia does it's doing that the same thing but even more so because it's it's this naturalistic kind of thing there are no there are no corners everything is round so it's like what benuit mandelbrot in 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 um, the fractal geometry of oh, but nature. that's the like, problem there's no corners <laughs> there's no there's no there's no verticality they're trying to make this is what i was kind of like complaining about at the beginning when i'm when i was saying that you know the buddha is the sangha nobody likes verticality nobody likes straight angles nobody likes the vertical everybody wants things to be um flattened out no but there is verticality because it, it goes up into the because sky it goes like, up. it's really big it's really big really big yeah. You know, it's an immense thing again. But again, yeah, there are no straight lines. But again, as Benoit Mandelbrot said, there are no straight lines in nature. I know, but straight lines is transcendent concept. So so that's why we have straight lines, because it's the transcendent concept. And people don't like the transcendent. People like the, the fluid and the naturalistic. And uh -huh. but um, I think that you're mixing two different categories because the corner as a geometrical concept is not transcendent but the vertical point upwards that's a transcendent idea and so you 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 have the movement upwards but not the corners i don't know Anyhow. I, I have to we have to we, i have to think about that um i'm just i'm just i'm just reacting to sort of like you know people i know who went there and, and their reaction and and uh, uh you don't get the same eternal sense you get a different sense you get a, a kind of like you get a, like I, I remember going to this place in vienna and this guy was making these kind of hobbit houses 
and yeah. he, he refused vertical lines and it, it looked sloppy and messy and hippie you know it didn't it yeah. didn't it didn't stand the test of time uh it didn't stand it you know it didn't it didn't um um, because because it was it was trying to it was trying to imitate nature, but imitating nature kind of looks unnatural. It's weird. There's a paradox there. It's like it's kind of unnatural. But to isn't try to transcendence imitate part of nature too? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. Uh, but not. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a. I, I haven't thought through that very well. Um, no, me neither. But I, I, I mean, that's why we're having this. Maybe it's just the idea of like people like the feminine, people like the matrix these days. But, but 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 nobody likes the masculine. Nobody likes the cutting through. Nobody likes directness. Nobody likes the sharp edges. That's what I'm sort of sort of like complaining about. I'm not. I'm not saying that I, I don't have the same feelings than you. You know, it's like when I go to this old european cathedrals or even if i go to the monastery yuk it's here in mallorca in the mountains i think i told you about this so it's it's a it's one of the oldest monasteries here you have on the mediterranean and so you go there you have to go two hours with the car and then you're in the mountains and there's like this old beautiful monastery and then you have to buy a ticket and you go you go inside and it's it's like a labyrinth till you get to the center of the monastery and in the yeah. center of the monastery there's a little room and in that room is a, is the black madonna and yeah, it's like it's, a, like, it's a tiny room it's like it's like maybe 15 16 square meters and you sit there and you and you know that's old that's very old and the energy in that room is incredible it's exactly. like you, you get you have a complete mind blowing um experience of what sadness sorrow melancholy and all of that means because the black madonna was always you know this kind of bina uh saturn kind of madonna that takes all your pain and sorrow away mm. so you, people would go there and 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 you feel it and it's a mind-boggling experience because you learn something about the nature of the universe basically because everything dies yeah and so if you go in the gaudy cathedral you think oh this is impressive and beautiful and extraordinary but i don't i doubt you would feel that uh, because you wouldn't feel that because it's more like a psychedelic experience it's more like a, a fragmented psychedelic experience yeah but we're just saying this now that's what what my point is because we are we are historically bound you know because the act of creating something trans transcendental it's like maybe it seems weird to us now but for people in thousand years the sacrada familia will be a holy place perhaps yeah um maybe maybe not we don't know do we i, I know what you mean about the black madonna too i have an experience with that in the in um <laughs> saint marie de la mer in france they have a they have a black madonna um and uh and Tractum Tiepa told me about this place. And what it is, is it's, it's, it's a little tiny chapel and there's a black Madonna in the, in the basement. Yeah. All the gypsies come from all over Europe and they go up to it and they, they put cloth on it. Um, and I, I think there's supposed to be a crypt that has the, that has, uh, you know, the bones of Mother Mary there as well, too. Or it's, it's, it's a very like hardcore place. And and so they come and they they put uh, they put fabrics on the, on on this black Madonna and the gypsies they come and they kiss it like as if it's an erotic object. 
Yeah. So, so it's like you see these old men. It's like it's almost like you feel like there's something like, uh, um, you know, pornographic about it, or uh, you're like, oh, I, should she, should they be doing that? Um, but uh, but uh, but ah, oh, there's a there's a you know there's a de- depth there in that in that that sort of sacred space, and you don't feel that in Notre Dame actually because Notre Dame is mostly full of tourists, right? Right. So nobody is praying there, and nobody is meditating much. Much there, you know. So 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 I think Notre Dame is. Even though I was waxing on about Notre Dame, uh, it, it, just the appearance of it, just it's kind of like aesthetic. You know what's, but going you know what's, in there is like you're you have to, you know, you're just you're just you're you're just packed with a bunch of tourists. It's not the same as going in and uh, to one of these little chapels in in Provence. You know what, Andrew? Why don't you find it very funny and strange that that you can be the most hardcore capitalist, uh, atheist, neoliberalist, but if you go to church, you know, as a woman, let's say, you can't just be like with a top and some short shorts. You know, like like yeah, a, you like can't a, go up with your breasts bouncing around, and you know, you have to. Sort no, of it's like, like everybody. You have like, to d- have an attitude of the sacred. Yeah, but it's, it's, which is weird. Even if you are declared atheist, you can't. You um, there is a way. You have to abide these rules. Like even I mean, Sloterdijk wrote about it. That every room has the, their their rules. So you know, if if we're like on a boat, we behave completely different than in the cinema, or like in the movie theater, or or like in the church. But I mean, like people breaking the rules of the cinema all the time. It's like you go to the cinema and like people were playing with their phones and chatting and whatnot. It's super annoying. But everybody respects the church. There are yeah. no hot there are no hot women in the church. You yeah. know, like overtly overtly sexual and and that 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 still works. That's you know that's super interesting. Like psychologically speaking. Because there's no there's no guard there that says, oh no, please put you know like don't show your your abs, your belly, or you know put something on. Like there's nobody said to say that. You, so you could do it. Yeah. But there's something in us that says, oh no, that's that's you know what that's I mean. It's a sacred space, even if you don't. Well, this is I. I, I mean, Jordan Peterson has a point when he talks about how people even though they don't believe in something in a propositional way, they act like they believe it. Right. Right. So, so, so even though a scientist doesn't believe, you know, in God, he sort of acts like there's this higher truth that needs to be discovered, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so in a way our actions are more, you know, more telling than let's say our ideologies. Exactly. Yeah. That's I mean that's what we are talking like you know in the beginning like like how how much does it say about you and your theory if 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 you if if you're so attached to your theory that you can't leave it alone I mean that's why Nietzsche is so influential because he never sold any of his books hmm. I think may, maybe like two hundred Zarathustra in his lifetime you know whatever it's, that was nothing so there wasn't there was never any any inclination that he was overly attached to his name yeah you know and he was just he was just trying to tear the cathedral down i guess that was what he was about Uh yeah well but i mean mean, the stuffy aspect of it the 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 uptight the aspect of he was sort of that's the antichrist is sort of you know just kind of like you know 
blowing it up and giving it with, with dynamite. <laughs> yeah. But again, I was I was wondering, so how much does it, how, how value is your theory if it, again, if it's so attached to some personal, you know, thing and not entirely to the, to the mimetic deep structure, the archetypal deep structure, you know? Yeah, and so we're talking so about archetype, you know, it's like, and so if the, I mean, like by, by extension, uh, uh, maybe it's like this, that the, that the buildings that we're talking about will prove themselves uh, to be holy by persisting and not to be too attached to some personal achievement. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Well, maybe that's the problem with the Gaudi cathedral is it's one guy's creation. Whereas most like nobody, we talked about the tarot. Nobody knows who created the tarot. Nobody knows who built Notre Dame. Whereas Versailles, for example, palace, right? It's a monstrosity created yeah. by one guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's one architect. I mean, there's other architects involved, but whereas Notre Dame was just created by a community. I yeah. think that's that's probably the difference, actually. That's the difference between a genuine like religious monument and uh, an individual's creation. Like, so I'm coming, I'm going coming more back to your original point. Like I was yeah. sort of defending the individual in the beginning. And now I'm sort of defending the. It's like the community creates the and then the 20th century, you know, everybody started signing their artworks and, and making it, a, you know, a, an individual uh, creation. But but they're making they're making individual artworks. They're not making communal artworks. Yeah. And I think the communal art, artworks fundamentally are something that doesn't belong to anybody and wasn't created by any one person. And that is sort of universal. But if it was created by one person, then is it going to be a monument in a thousand years? I, I'm not quite I'm not so sure. So how, how about Michelangelo and 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 Leonardo but, da Vinci? Yeah, even those guys, their their stuff is 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 sort of it has a flavor of kitsch to it compared to like say earlier stuff earlier frescoes that are have this luminous quality that no and whereas the, art, the artist didn't sign it and el greco and things like that the 16th chapel 16th chapel is is, is it's like the biggest pornography uh collection in in the world uh, <laughs> according to camille paglia no, but I mean, you you can't you can't argue with the artworks of. Well, they're great creations of humanism, I would say, but 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 they're not great. They're not great religious creations, which are not create. I'm just coming up with. I like. I hadn't thought about this much, but I, I think great religious creations are not created so much by. They might be created by individuals who are channeling something that's more much more communal or. Yeah, but why is David so important in the first place? Well, I mean, you could say that you could say that it's a perfect achievement of sculpturing of the human body, but you could also say it's the beginning of the corruption of art. Yeah, but it's not the perfect representation of the body, that's for sure, because you know, it's it's you know, he built in the perspective. So if you really do like a one-on-one, -on -one, the hands. No, no, the... I don't mean I don't mean scientific. I mean artistic. Right. Right. I don't mean an art, it's a perfect artistic create. Uh, I mean scientific uh, representation. I mean it's a perfect. It's kind of a perfect artistic representation of the you know the the male body. It's, it's like considered to be beauty, but then there's like that's it's, it's it also has a kind of decadence to it, right? 
um on, on some level right it's like the yeah. beginning of the corruption like of so humanism so i think it's like the god-centered world beforehand i'm not saying we should go back to that or anything like that then you have the humanism of the renaissance and and uh and all that and michelangelo and david and Leonardo Vinci. this is like humanism 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 up to the 20th century where you have you know cubism and everything is just come breaking apart and becoming fragmented again and, and postmodernism and da, da, da. so there is no perspective so you have god perspective now this was explained to me by tractum capo you know, first you have god perspective then you have human perspective becomes everything right and then no perspective right uh, mm. um and then okay so what's next so no perspective is postmodernism, or what is it? No perspective is 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 like is like yeah. But the problem with that is it, it's it's subjectivity. So you have to kind of you have to kind of go back to the beginning and find communal perspective. I think in, in some way, but I don't know. I haven't thought that far. But I, I guess I guess integral is supposed to be able to, is supposed to integrate all three. You know, uh, God perspective human perspective and no perspective it's supposed to integrate all three like emptiness and form well, the one and... one thing that that i like what alexander said recently is that you know you can't create something i mean it's it's a he didn't say that exactly but kind of inferred that so you can't create something entirely new if you in a Girardian sense imitate other people you have to identify with god to create something new or with one mm -hmm. God. And so agree, with agree. God, he doesn't mean like a sky in, a guy in the sky, but like, let's say like a, like a original archetype or like a, a original, whatever it is, you know? So you have to, if, if you, if, if your business is to, to imitate other people, you're just, you're just thrown in the eternal reoccurrence of the same. You will, you mm. don't, you're not uh, creating something new yeah and, and which is what you... most people do right you know you go and you see this these music bands that just play jazz music all day long they're not creating anything new they're just repeating you know what oscar peterson played or something right there's all these yeah. jazz clubs in montreal they're just museums basically right it is i mean taylor swift is just the newest iteration of the pop phenomenon that started in the arts with with uh with with britney spears and 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 yeah you know, nothing new Rihanna, it's a, so mm. yeah, yeah no no i agree i agree but, but there's an interesting point there and that is that no you can't do it by imitating people um and no you can't do it ex nihilo from nothing just make up something either right right you can't just make up something and think you're creative like oh, that's a, another mistake people make like put your 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 shit on the canvas and there you go there you got a, a art you can't do that either so you have to you have to you have to uh digest the traditions in some way before you create something new as well so it's not or just you like get, or you get into trance and identify with the god and create something new yeah but that that means you're identifying with the god is something old right you're you're still you're still have to you still have to go into the tradition and and, and identify with the tradition because the the god is the tradition so you can't throw the tradition out the window and just let's do something new from 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 scratch it doesn't work no that's not what i'm talking about but i don't i don't know what you exactly mean with with tradition in this context because i don't think that i don't i don't have to be i don't need to be part of the buddhist tradition 
to access, let's say in a trance, their gods. I don't, because it's just it's just an archetype that I have to can, that I can access. You know, if I get into trance, I don't I don't have to be a practicing Buddhist uh, to you know to or like a Hindu or whatever to to. Well, I didn't I didn't say I didn't say you had to I didn't say you had to but I didn't say you had to but. It doesn't matter what your religious identification is. It imagine it imagines like what your spirit is doing, you know. Like, you know, the song I was thinking about the Paul Simon came out with a new record. And it's okay. It's not it's supposed to be about death, but it's kind of a secular modern version of, of that. It's like doubt and questioning and right. It's not powerful archetypal. Whereas when Leonard Cohen put out his last album it was about death, he's like drawing on the Jewish tradition and zen yeah. and all these things and it was it he uses the some of the language from uh, some of the hebrew language and whoa that's deep because it's archetypal it's not just personal yeah <laughs> you know so 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 uh it doesn't matter whether he's a jew or, or a buddhist or, or whatever but he's drawing on the traditions is what i'm saying and just if you're if you're invocating a god you're drawing on the, the the traditions the old traditions right. the old gods you're drawing on the old gods you're not you're not drawing from nothing you're not you're not you're not like um it's not tabla rasa from nothing is what i'm saying so when i say yeah, tradition I know, I i'm I not talking about religious identification uh blah 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 i'm talking about i'm talking about the deep traditions <laughs> so, so I'm talking. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I was like tongue and cheekly talking about, you know. I'm not trying to tell anybody to be some magic where you can identify when you when you identify in trance with, let's say, Mercury, Mercury, Mm. or with Odin, that you get completely different results. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Western occultist tradition, right? That's a tradition. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so I'm saying like it's a mistake to say, oh. That you that you should just be original from nothing, but it's also yeah, yeah, a that, mistake that, to say you should just work. imitate yeah. the the old things either. That's my only point. Yeah, no, no, I I completely agree. I was just I was also just saying, you know, you you can't if you imitate people, you you, you don't get anything new. And so that happens when you know with grunge when everybody wanted to be like Kurt Cobain, and not understanding that Kurt Cobain had a completely different source from which he was. Uh, uh, getting his information. So, yeah, but lead, just... lead belly also. You know, he was getting it from lead belly. <laughs> so, so he was also drawing on something. Not yeah, but just making it from nothing. Yeah, that's no. Yeah, but again, what I what I'm trying to say. Everybody wanted to be Kurt, and so he 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 kind of instigated a whole grunge movement, right? And so I think when you listen to his text, so I think. I think he draws from something, not from nothing. No, oh, yeah. But he's not. He's not sure. He had his musical influences, yes. But I think there was something more. Yeah, there's which, something original. Okay, that comes right. is what you're saying. We're talking about being an yes. author. An author creates something new, creates something original. But how he does that is he is that he makes whatever came before his own. Right. So he made Lead Bell. He didn't. He didn't repeat Lead Belly in any in any way when he sang uh, that song. Uh, my, you know, how do you sleep at night? He wasn't repeating Lead Belly. He made it his own. He, you know, 
So that's that's and just like Jimi Hendrix made all along the Watchtower his his own song, uh, as Bob Dylan was saying. You know, he's drawing from a source, but but the originality is when he makes when you make it your own. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And I think I mean he he probably didn't knew it, and Hendrix uh, as well. But I think they were drawing from some. Uh, from some archetypal idea that would which was op opaque in a sort of sense because you know these these if you look at the uh if you look at the texts you know at the at the at the lyrics they're like kind of opaque and that always happens if somebody mm. is in in you know it's like is that's why they still work it's like the same thing with jim morrison they're st they're opaque because they don't know what they're doing they're accessing some original information some archetype and it's yeah. opaque but as as the more you get into the world and the more you copy it, the more concrete the information becomes and then it gets that it, then it's that dead it then it dies yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. jim morrison as well as 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 kurt they, they, they were drawing from something else it was not just copying from bands that came before there was something else that were that, that were kind of channeling yeah yeah well i think uh what's that philosopher who writes about repetition deleuze talks about that with it's a repetition but then there's some new information each time so it's not like one thing then the next thing then the next thing the next thing oh that's it's, interesting it's mm -hmm. spiraling repetition and then okay so first you have lead belly and then that sort of fizzles out and then there's a spiraling repetition and then you have somebody else doing this kind of direct powerful you know you know anguish filled you know you know with electric guitars this time and oh, and wow. um, i didn't know that so this, that's Deleuze. Deleuze, what? Deleuze's first book about repetition. Uh, I, I think oh, it's called. Mm -hmm. It was his like first thesis. He, it was all about about repetition. So there's a there's a there's a repetition, and then there's a, something new added to the thing. So um, I think that's how the, the the creative process works. It doesn't work uh, that that first there's this person, then there's this person, like like, and they're all they're all new entities in themselves. That's you also still have to go. Basically. You still have to go into the into. You still have to go into the possession of the other artists, right? And then come out the other end, because people get stuck in repetition because they just they 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 get possessed by the artist, but then they repeat it, right? Um, I remember as a young person, I read all of Henry Miller, and I could only write like Henry Miller, yeah, so yeah, yeah. everything I wrote was shit because I was just writing yeah. like Henry Miller. I never yeah. got found my own unique voice that was that I was never able to discard. The, the anxiety of influence of, of him in terms of of writing so yeah. so i think that's why we get stuck in repetition because we're not all, I mean, also, also not able to discard the old right you have to discard the old as well that's also what happens with sex that's what i want to say sex is very repetitive in, yeah repetitive uh, in, and then, out, then you you out, look out, for the tiny out, things and then, that, out, and then, <gasps> then in, yeah and then you look for the tiny things that are new and that kind of elevate you because it's if you just look at the friction you know that's the most boring thing. Just in out, you know, why? In out. Why is that interesting? So because you're looking for for the spikes that you know yeah. propel you in a certain direction. Well, you can be not bored of the same partner for your whole life, you know, which is which is kind of strange. I mean, yeah, I, I'm a married guy, so I understand that you wouldn't understand that, Tom, but. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I had a long relationship. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm just... Don't get out, don't get... It's a total joke. 
I'm utterly damaged so that I, you know, so that I wouldn't go into any relationship. Okay, right. so in the next episode, we'll talk about your your, your damage. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> Tom? <laughs>